0: welcome you're tuned into the two kings podcast with your hosts brian weeks and adam ricker you may now enter the kingdom
1: Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Two Kings Podcast. My name is Brian Weeks, the bald beardy bear, and I am here with my partner in love and in life, Mr. Adam Ricker. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. It's a
0: nice morning. The weather's nice outside.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. We hope it is where you are, too. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) All right. Um, Hope everybody had a good July 4th last weekend, and um, today... It's going to be kind of interesting. We're going to talk about uh, wrestling, which is a something that you know a lot about, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about soap operas, which is something that I know a lot about.
0: Uh, oh, uh, I, <laughs> I, I don't know really where to start the, the discussion. Like,
1: all right, <laughs> there's, no off, jump, and I, there's no jump. There's no jump-off point. Yet. I have an idea. So, Adam, you um, you're a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. And um, so I imagine that your journey from being a watching wrestling to being
0: being a wrestler, you know, what, what what was your trajectory there? Like, how did you get into wrestling? Um, <clears throat> my brother used to watch Saturday Morning Superstars, and I used to want to play my Nintendo during that time. Um, so my parents would say, you know, after he watches wrestling, you can have the TV for that. Mm-hmm. So I'd sit there and complain about it the whole time. And then The Undertaker came out, and I was just, like, instantly captivated by, like, the character. Like, that's what always drew me into wrestling was the characters, the gimmicks, like, the, the over-the-top stuff. Like, re- I, mean, I still love wrestling today. There's not as many characters. Everyone's just a guy who comes out in a cool outfit, like, and that's just what you're supposed to get out of it, but... I really enjoyed those like larger-than-life characters, and that's what got me into it. And then it wasn't long until things transitioned into the Attitude Era, and that really uh, got me into it. And, like, So my brother, my mom's ex-boyfriend, and I would watch like pay all the pay-per-views in one of those black boxes. Um... Watch all the pay-per-views. Watch Monday Night Raw, SmackDown. Um, just really, really into it. And to the point where... <clears throat> excuse me. I met other kids at school who were also into it. And discovered that one of the most popular kids in the school... Uh, was very much into it. And did little wrestling matches in his basement with his friends. Where they dressed as wrestling characters. Wow. And... <clears throat> um. So they had me come down one time, and this is, you know, these are all, like, the popular jock kids, football, play, all the athletes, like, the kids I was not friends with, mm-hmm. normally. Um, and so I'm in this, I'm, like, nervous, because I'm, like, these are all, like, the cool kids I'm, like, sitting around right now, but they're dressing like wrestlers and having fun and playing, like, they're just regular people, like, you know what I mean, like me. <laughs> it's weird, you know, how, you know, with high school, right. you... There's the classes, you know, the different cliques or whatever. Um, I was very versatile in that sense that I could really hang out with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an ROTC kid. I hung out with band kids. I hung out with the jocks, um, the unpopular kids. And I use air quotes when I say that. Um, all Everybody. I just was friends with everyone. But anyway, uh, we went from doing little basement wrestling shows to... Uh, getting seen by Tony Atlas, who's a WWE Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And he brought us in to train, brought Luke, brought myself, uh, brought our friend Casey, and um, that TNT, that uh, whatever his name is there, Tom Tool that I showed you on that match Mm -hmm. earlier, um, trained us all in Lewiston. I worked a few, like, I made my debut in October of 2004. Oh, wow. Um, at Lever's Daycare, Tony Atlas taped five episodes of his TV show. It was like three matches per episode. And I was on episode one, three, and five. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty fun. But like, ever since then, I've just, you know, I've been in love with it. I did it through Tony Atlas for a while. I did some backyard wrestling for a while, which is like where I met my lifelong friends from PPW, um... Keith, Ryan, D Money, and Jen, and like, and Steve, and uh, Joe McBrady was there too. Like a lot of these guys are, who are probably listening to this, actually, um, like I said, I met that. I don't regret my time doing backyard wrestling at all because I made lifelong friends from it, and it is what it is. But I eventually moved up to the more independent, the actual independent level Mm -hmm. with um, a wrestling company that no longer exists in the state. Um, But I spent, like, 12, 13 years there Mm -hmm. on and off. Um, And we'll be on to bigger and better things. But, like, I've I've loved every part of, like, being in the ring. Um, I love just playing a character, playing a role. I've done... I've been the wrestler, I've been a manager, I've been the general manager, uh, I've done commentary, like, I'm a jack of all trades at the shows, like, the last show that I worked on, that I pretty much ran towards the end, because no one else gave a damn but me, um, I was, I was doing, I'm trying to coordinate everything with very little help, and I still, even in those moments where I'm frustrated, and I'm like, ah, fuck this, I hate this, um, I still really enjoyed it because of like because of like the bonds you make with the people you meet. Um and my style is really in the storytelling. I loved the attitude era of wrestling because there was so much story to it. Like you, you I had to tune in next week to see why China joined the corporation. Or I had to tune you know, tune in the next week to find out who the Grand Master oh not the Grand I shouldn't say Grandmaster. That's that's not good. Um who the who the I forget what they called it. The higher power—that's what they called it—and it turned out to be Vince McMahon, and I was—I was shook. Like I remember this. I'm like Steve Austin driving a beer truck into the arena and spraying down the whole corporation. Shook. Like it just—it was so good. Like I loved every second of it. I kept a running list on the back of my bedroom door when championships changed hands, so I had like a championship history of like three years going on. Um. It was all just so good, good to watch. I loved it, and part of me feels like today, um, not all the time and not everywhere, but one of the things that gets overlooked in some matches is the story behind it. Um, and that's what I love about wrestling is seeing the story come to life through action. Um, but sometimes you have guys who just get in there and just do things, and that's cool. But uh, the storytelling aspect and the like, the drama of it. The showsmanship, the production, like, the uh, the flair mm-hmm. of it was what really what drew, drew me into it.
1: I also was a... I've been a casual fan of wrestling for most of my life, and I started watching during the the era when it was... The rock and wrestling time back in the early '80s when, um, you know, art, l- recording artists like Cyndi Lauper and w- were were involved in, um, in wrestling with Captain Lou Albano and and the, as you were saying at first, the larger than life characters that they had back then, like um, Rowdy Roddy Piper and um, Andre the Giant and all those people. Um, and then I kind of put it away for a minute, but when you started talking about the Attitude Era, that is when I was watching every week. I was not just watching every week, I was watching, like, every night, because there was Monday Night Raw, and SmackDown, and the other one, and all the pay-per-views, and, um, I I completely agree. You know, it was, it was watching, um, it was watching the um the story unfold and, and tuning in next week and that was all really really awesome and I, I really enjoyed that very very much. <clears throat> yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Excuse me. Um and but I, and I do have to say that I really, really enjoy um watching you wrestle as well.
0: Oh yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: Absolutely. I did get to see uh before, before the uh, COVID nineteen, I was able to go up and see one one match live, which mm-hmm. would coincidentally be my last one. <laughs> <laughs> <Which> one <laughs> coincidentally, yes. I just couldn't stay there
0: anymore, but that's a whole another story for a whole another
1: right. time. And um, friends of the show and friends of you already know what that story is.
0: Yeah, I'm like it's not a secret. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've always thought, like, wrestling's a, it's always, I've always found it to be called the male soap opera, Mm -hmm. almost, um, and that's really when the dramatics and (laughs) cinematics and stuff were going on, um, and, and I'd hate to even just say that because, like, even nowadays, like, I still consider it kind of like that. It's sports entertainment, you know what I mean? Like, they, you It's very athletic what goes on in that ring.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people don't get that part. Like, They, they, they brand wrestling as fake and stuff like that, but I'm like, let, let me tell you, when I wake up in the morning and its I haven't touched the floor yet, it's really like spinning a giant wheel to what's going to hurt today.
1: We had a discussion about this a few months ago. And I think it was during your wrestling weekend when you had when um uh, limits and um Shaitan were there that we had the discussion I don't know if they were in the room I just think it happened to be that weekend yeah. that you know wrestling is absolutely not fake everything you see in the ring is happening it's just that it's it has a predetermined outcome that's all mm-hmm. it's not fake it's fixed right
0: those are two <clears throat> those are two different things because mm-hmm. i I saw some some bitch on Twitter, and I'm gonna call her a bitch because she's like she clearly doesn't has never seen wrestling in her life. Mm-hmm. She's like, why, you know, why is wrestling stuff showing up on my Twitter feed? Uh, wrestling stupid. Please don't fake punch me over my comment or whatever she said. And I was right. like, y- you're a giant uh, bag of
1: summer's eve, like right. And I okay, and I really, I'm not, I I really don't want to open up a huge can of worms, but. Recently, there was another um, podcasting personality out there who had some comments about wrestling.
0: Listen, uh, we, we can talk about that, but this is only an hour-long
1: show. I, I know. If we're tra- <laughs>
0: if we're trying and to th- fill time, you go ahead and bring no, no, him no, no, up. No, no,
1: we'll make a two-part episode. No, it was just that <laughs> there is a comment, and, and I'm, only, I'm not even going to mention his name unless you... No, know. it's
0: fine, it's fine.
1: No, it was just what I another podcaster who is way more famous than we are um had some pretty horrible things to say about not just about wrestling but about the fans of wrestling Mm -hmm. and I've noticed that in in, in my opinion those are all unfounded um it's you know he clearly does not understand the theater of wrestling and whether or not and where I'm leading into we were just talking about yesterday when we were out at lunch um that the you know the, the fans are incredibly loyal and i've noticed that during that one live match that i attended um you you played a heel right mm-hmm. for the most part and um yet the fans all just love you but there were five or six people in the audience that were straight up nasty at you and i was Feeling kind of way about it because it's like <laughs> I I thrive on that though right. But the thing is that's part of the story. That's mm-hmm. the the fans being invested. And when we were chatting yesterday at lunch about something, and um, there's a former is is Kurt Angle former now WWE.
0: Uh, I think so. I know he's not wrestling anymore. Okay, I mean he's not on TV anymore. He might be working backstage. I really haven't.
1: Followed to be honest, but okay. well, we were talking about when um, Kurt Angle came up in conversation, and I made the statement, "Yeah, can't stand Kurt Angle," and you kind of, you kind of like poked your head over. You like, you can't stand Kurt Angle, the character or the wrestler. Like, oh, I not I didn't even. And the thing is, I can't even remember in my head ever actually watching him wrestle. I just didn't I hated his character. Yeah. And
0: it took me a second to understand. I was like, Oh yeah, I got you. Like you come out like I hate this guy.
1: Right. And yeah. and <laughs> and I think it's because of my growing up being so invested in soap operas that that suspension of disbelief and, and, and you know, it's a lot I'm kinda like genetically predisposed to that suspension of reality where I'm absolutely certain that X Pac from Degeneration X is not a horrible person and like, you know maybe he is, I don't he know. He had his moments.
0: Right. I mean at, that's they were and that's characters. and that's life. Right. And same no. thing with
1: Triple H. Triple H isn't his character is, is has ups and downs kinda like your character. You know, mm-hmm. there's good times and bad times and good good and evil. Um, but like I'm absolutely certain that the guy that lives down the street from us is not the person you see in the ring.
0: No, yeah, I imagine I can't wait to run into him somewhere.
1: <laughs> we will at some point, I'm sure.
0: Um, no, and my character has always been like an amped up version of me. Mm. The way I've always, the way I've seen it, like turn my personality up like six clicks. And when I'm a bad guy, the the harder that they boo me and the more that they hate me, I thrive. Yeah, on You
1: it. seemed you in, in the video footage that I've seen. You seem to get more amp. The more people hate you. You know the hate me because you ain't me thing. Mm-hmm. You just love that.
0: They and it's because like with that crowd, they're a loyal crowd that have been coming to these shows consistently for a few years, and they've seen that. Oh, Ricker's a good guy. He's here. You know, he's if anyone can stop all the the BS that's going on, it's Ricker. Mm-hmm. And then I turn my back on the, uh, turn my back on the crowd again, and that gets them feeling some kind of way about me. Right. And it's like I told you about. The, there's a lady. I'm not even gonna say her name because she don't deserve it. Right, but um, there's this lady who attended these shows, mm-hmm. and when I came back in 2015, she was a big fan. She'd talk to me before each show. She'd get like a little too much in my personal space sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be sitting on the ring, and she'd like try to come stand up in between here, and I'm like, "Yo, <laughs> you're on tree, the wrong tree, yeah." Um, she was so, like, she, like, knew all the wrestlers personally, mm-hmm. uh, her husband was, like, a big fan of the show, and, like, he got to come early, because he had a medical condition about walking and getting into a seat, so they'd come early, and they would got to sh- see the wrestlers hanging out, and, um, talk with them, but, like, when the show started, I remember after I became, after I became bad, um... She took it personally. Mm-hmm. And I was an asshole. I was all this other stuff. She would like whisper about me to other fans as I walked by. Like and she was legit. So recently, I wanna say about a month ago. hmm Yeah, but I'd say a little little under a month ago. Um, a big this whole big scandal came out up north, I'm not going to get into the, the fuzzy details of it, but she had commented what, I mean, what these people were accused of doing is like ten times worse than me being rude because I'm a bad guy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's you cannot compare these two things. And she was the only one, she's on this fan nation talking about oh, well, so Ricker's allowed to be rude to people, but these guys can't touch children you know what I mean? Like that's right. uh, that's essentially what I got from her message,
1: which is absolutely a false equivalence. Yeah, I'm like,
0: what? No. Not even the same thing. Like, if someone stole a penny from me, I would be much more apt to let that go if, instead of someone stealing a thousand dollars from me. Like, right. you can't compare the two. No. And so I saw the comment, and I sent her a mess a not so nicely worded message. I'm like, I'm like, let me break something down for you real quick. Like, when I go home. And when I leave the building, my personal life and how I conduct my business cuz she had made a comment about she goes, "Oh, he's not very nice for a guy who does what he do, does for work." Oh. And they got to the point where fans would be like, "Maybe your work needs to know how." And I'm like, I'm like, first of all, like <laughs> my work and I love my job. Mm-hmm. Um leaving there to move uh to move in the future is going to be very difficult for me." Right. But and but I'm it's worth it's all worth it of course. But thank you. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was gonna say <laughs> you know what I mean. But I I I'm at a job that like I've been at over four years. It doesn't feel like I've been there four years. Right. Uh, and I think about that sometimes. I'm like, man, these are all the same people I've worked with for the last four years. The same clients, the same staff. Mm-hmm. Like this is like a home. I, I spend more time here than I do at home. <laughs> like, right. Um, legit. And like you, you're gonna mess that up because I i ruined your night because you think that you think I'm like being rude to you. I'm being rude to everybody. Mm -hmm. When you're sitting in the front row yelling, ah, you're an asshole. Ricker. You, you're a piece of shit. I'm like, lady, I'm not even like cussing up here. Like you're the one sitting front row, making a fool Mm -hmm. of yourself, making yourself part of the show. And I said that to her. I'm like, when have I ever been directly rude to you? Mm Hmm. She goes, you've looked at me and made comments. I'm like, yeah, while you're sitting there calling me an asshole and a piece of shit. So what? You're allowed to call me names, mm-hmm. but I can't, like, that. You know what you paid for for this ticket right. lady. Like, you, we got freedom of speech, but freedom of speech doesn't mean you're free from the consequences of what you choose right. to say.
1: Settle down, Karen.
0: Yep. Uh, like, exactly. Oh, she, <laughs> she's the main version of Karen. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, except older. Right. Like oh. Karen plus. Ethel. Yeah, Ethel. If you, it's like if you if you subscribe to the plus features of Karen, this is what we've got going on up there. You know, Ethel, or, achievement Ethel,
1: unlocked. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Achieve Ethel status. Um, and and it was as long. And I, of course, I got fired up the more I typed, and I oh, called yeah. her a very colorful name at the end, um, as is in my nature when I'm feeling when I'm feeling mm-hmm. the <laughs> feeling that inner diva. Mm-hmm. Um. And she just, like, posted my message in the Fan Nation page of this, mm-hmm. of this company. And I'm like, I, I really don't care what people right. see, like, what I, I type to you. It's true. Like, you don't know my personal life. We are not friends. We're not acquaintances. When I go home, I'm going home to my life. You should go home to yours, too. Right. You know what I mean? Like, stop carrying a torch of hate for me because I see you one time a month. And every month you get just as heated at my presence than anything else. And that's awesome because like she's emotionally invested into something she knows is a show.
1: Right. But the thing that I found to be really surreal, with and maybe this is just more common with um, independent wrestling promotions, um, the, the amount of interactivity that you guys allowed to your fans, I'm sure there's pluses and minuses, I noticed, you know, there was a there was a fan nation page. A lot of these people are a lot of the bigger fans seem to actually be like legit Facebook friends with your real not just your public persona page, but like your actual the the real Adam the quote-unquote real Adam Ricker. And I found that to be incredibly surreal. And there were a lot of conversations between you and I where, oh my God, like, you're never going to believe what this person just said. I'm like, why are they being mean to you? Like, yeah, um, that's somebody else that I'm wrestling. That's their real name. And this is what they're doing. And this is, this is part of the game. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's a lot more to, to wrestling and maybe, you know, but I don't, I don't feel like WWE offers that kind of, con, you know, connection with their fans to that level. Right,
0: I mean, uh, it, even in indie wrestling, like, it depends on where you go. Where I came from um, was always, has always been a more intimate setting.
1: Mm-hmm. I um, like that.
0: And, and that's, and it's always been great. I ne- I thought that was the norm, to be honest, like, because that's where I came up. And right. I never really had an issue with it. I know other wrestlers have. Um, but I've always trusted the the original owner's judgment and I always questioned the second owner's judgment, but that's a whole not like I said, whole nother story, whole right. nother podcast. Um But really, traditionally, like, there should be no fans in there at all. Like we'd have and the thing is where I came from, like a lot of drama from like we'd bring the wrestlers some wrestlers would bring in their wives or their girlfriends and they would all hang out together and you know, gather in a corner and and be cackling with each other and being part of more of the drama that doesn't need to happen. And like the the where I came from didn't care about that kind of thing, so I had wrestlers who couldn't come out of the locker room because exes were out there sleeping with other wrestlers now, and yeah. um, I couldn't it restricted my be my creativity as like I was uh, booking matches at that time because I wasn't wrestling as much. Um, it limited what I could do because these other people you know what I mean these people are like, oh, I'm part of the show. no, no, you are a fan. I don't care if you're selling your husband's merchandise. you don't need to be in here beforehand right because we we had fans that would come in and see people you know having a conversation or practicing and then they'd go out and tell people, hey, get ready to look for this tonight on the show like uh, that's yes, no and that's the problem and there we had one wrestler and I will name him by name because I don't give a shit. Uh roadblock uh, Mark Mahoney, uh Mark, whatever his name is now Dozer, I don't really know, oh, okay, uh, he would go and he, yeah, he would tell he would bring up carloads of people if he was winning. oh, he would tell all his friends hey i'm I'm winning tonight, and he would tell everybody what was happening. If it benefited him and favored right. him, so for the longest time, the original owner he stopped telling people what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So now, as the chant, like
1: and um, up until that night,
0: right? Uh, oh yeah, until you got there. Okay, because he's like uh, he's canceled before because he asked he asked what his mm-hmm. job was for the night, and he got told he didn't like it. He's like, well, I'm gonna stay home instead, and then he canceled because he didn't like what they what right. was there for him. Um and and i I, res- I respect that way of doing things i i understand i didn't understand it at first but mm-hmm. i do now um you do, it it ruins it <laughs> you know what i mean for other people like i know what wrestling is mm-hmm. but i'll still sit on the edge of my seat watching these pay-per-views like oh my god you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's wrestling's awesome and it's an escape for a lot of these guys like Going to like being indie wrestlers, it's our escape from real life. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to put on our tights and cape.
1: You need to be a superhero for yeah, a little while
0: and be yeah and and if and nothing else, it's to make people happy mm-hmm. and make people and even if like even if you get these two gritty just big mfers. Who are all like veined up and ready to tear each other's head off? Like that's entertaining too. Like mm-hmm. then you got like the more funny care, like the little guys who are flip. Uh, what did Tony Atlas call them? The flippy dippy guys. <laughs> the flippy dippy guys. <laughs> like the dude in that voice or whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Um, I love. I used to love the cruiserweight matches in WCW. You get six of these lightweight guys. Flying all over the place, like mm-hmm. it was insane. The
1: flying Wilendas.
0: I always loved the cruiserweight division. Mm-hmm. Like it was good, and then nowadays women's wrestling is really strong. Like mm-hmm. WWE has featured women's wrestling very heavy
1: the last few years because it's basically porn with clothes on. Uh, to some, to some, to people, some people, yes. people, right, right.
0: Um, not everyone. I mean, yeah. like I, I know guys who are very much, you know lady enthusiasts and, sure. <laughs> but they still respect what's going on you know, it's not always like oh my god look at her ass sometimes it is but I mean I do that too I'll be like yo
1: <laughs> look at the dumper on that one hmm. <laughs> I have to say and I don't, I'm not trying to be sexist because it's not, it's not really in my nature but the one thing that makes me lose a little the, this teeny bit of respect when I'm watching exclusively women's matches is when they get into pulling each other's hair and that cheapens it to to me yep. that cheapens it. It's like if you want to be if you want to wrestle equivalent if you want to be treated equivalently, I'm not saying like treated like a man. I'm just saying if you want equivalent treatment, there should be relatively equivalent looking match, matches. Don't I mean, how do you feel about that? I think I think it's um I know it's hard to say. Like you're way more invested it, in it than I am. If, I'm just a if fan. It,
0: if it, if it fits the mold of what's happening. You know what yeah. I mean? Like women's wrestling has always gone. Astre- it used to have that very like, oh, we're we're a bunch of pretty models, Playboy models, who've learned to wrestle and become have become athletes and stuff. But the, yeah. but now you have women like uh, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Becky Lynch, Rhea Ripley. Uh, all these all these women who are forces to be reckoned with like i yearn for the days of intergender wrestling again like mm-hmm. i love seeing it on the independent circuit like i think it sends a good message like when you're watching a movie you've got the the main character this big strong guy you know action guy the villains are a woman and they fight on you know mm-hmm. i've seen the men and the women fight like hand to hand on on movies like you have you have to like Wrestling's supposed to be that everyone's like, "Oh, that's not realistic." And you know, I'm like, "You got to have some kind of larger than life aspect here." Right?
1: Because in real life, are you going to go and you know pick up a woman and throw her on the ground? No. But in in the storyline, it might call for that.
0: Mm-hmm. And then if, like, say I'm being the big mean bully, I go to pick on the girl, and I pick her up, and she slips out of the way and clocks me between the legs. Like that place would go wild. Exactly. Um. No, and, but the, but the problem is a lot of women, at least up here, women don't want to come up here because we like the got the fans. There's like a handful of specific fans yes. that will like sell their kidney to get tickets to a show if they had to. That some of these women are on. There's some people. Who, I think of
1: one person in particular. Our,
0: yeah, yeah. They <laughs> follow these people around. Like mm-hmm. there's a guy up here. He follows this one female wrestler around, giving her presence of friendship and stuff. But it's like, yo, like separate. Performer and fan, like you got to right. do that somewhere. And I've, and I'll be the first to admit, I've made friends with fans mm-hmm. because we like outside of wrestling, we have common interests and right. we speak as people. We speak at the shows all the time. Of course, you know they're gonna find me on Facebook and talk. I'm not, I'm not an asshole. I try not to ignore everybody, but right. like, I became friends with a certain group of people and others I did not. Like the lady I was talking about earlier, like you've spent every month for X amount of months talking shit about me and you're mad that I'm being rude to you mm-hmm. I'm like I can hear you doing it lady <laughs> and
1: I, I could tell you know when when up visiting you and we'd be out in public and people would recognize you I feel like I could almost tell the difference because it, it was how you were addressed mm-hmm. if some rando dude comes up and be like oh hey Aftershock hey how are you?" versus hey Adam how are you I could tell the difference of who who you probably were more likely to be an actual person, you know, you knew them a little bit versus fan, and um, and that's yeah. There's a lot of in in the fandom, and that's very, in my opinion, it's very um, close to the fandom in in soap operas as well. You've been listening to the Two Kings podcast. We're going to pause for a brief intermission and then return for the second half of this week's broadcast. Thanks again for listening to the Two Kings podcast. Now let's return to the second half of the broadcast. The
0: like the, fan, the fans here, they get like a more of a live interaction, mm-hmm. of course, uh, over soap operas. But the wrestling fans up where I came from are... wild and they like they get more wild the more south you go um but i i enjoy the hell out of it still yeah and but there i do think there are a lot of parallels between that and soap operas um and that's really your area so where do you see like Because these I think these were going well these were originally going to be two separate right episodes but I was like they're really like a good the good way to compare and contrast
1: yeah that was absolutely your idea to turn, to combine these into one um, because you know you're an expert on one I'm an expert on the other um, but they are very. <laughs> we got similar. an hour to fill, folks. <laughs> so they are, very, <laughs> they are very. I mean, I. Oh my god! I could. I could go on for days about soap operas.
0: I know. I just. I looked up at the clock. I'm like, Have I been talking about wrestling for 20, 25 minutes now? Yep. I have been.
1: <laughs> um, I feel like, as far as the the similarities, um, there is a lot of similarities in the um, loyalty of the fan bases, for one, uh, as well as the a lot of the, not necessarily the physicality of the storyline, but the story, everything that the larger than life dramas, you do have to tune in every day or every week or whatever. Um, it, it is, it's, it's captivating storyline. Um, but with the fans, I've noticed that really it's beyond wrestling. The only other fans that come anywhere close to the, fanaticism of being a fan is with soap operas mm-hmm. um, and and I just feel like that's kind of that, it breeds that familiarity because these people are in in your living rooms for an hour five days a week 50 weeks a year, like you're looking at these people for 250 hours a year so you know, it's only natural that when I was watching um, and I have watched almost all of them for some period of time but the one... The most recent one that I was watching and probably my most loved is General Hospital. And... Um, you know, over the years of... That show's been on the air since 1963. I've been watching it since 1977. And off and on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being able to transport yourself and, and, like, live as a viewer in another town with all this, you know, rich... History of people, and you know you get to learn things after a certain period of time, and even if people aren't there anymore, you know that they were there and it kind of becomes an alternate reality in a way, but like in you know you're very invested in seeing what these people in this fictional town of Port Charles new york are <laughs> are dealing with, and
0: Port Charles.
1: Well, Port Charles did not actually... First of all, it didn't have a name until 1975, and it didn't have a state until 77 or 78. That's the difference between soap operas back in the day and soap operas in the kind of modern age. Um, you know, back in when soap operas were first introduced, it was just... The reason they're called soap operas is because they were just little, like little, short, dramatic stories literally used to sell laundry soap. And on the radio, before TV. Really? Yeah. Park. That's interesting,
0: I didn't know that. Most
1: of the soap operas that originally, <clears throat> that originally, um, that, that originated were um, invented, well not invented by, but produced by, what? I'm sorry, <laughs>
0: I'm just picturing in my head like, tune
1: in next week to
0: find out who didn't
1: sort the colors from the lights. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then everyone's like,
0: oh my gosh, that sounds
1: racist. <laughs> No, not in, the, not in the nineteen, not in the nineteen fifties. They wouldn't have thought that. No, they would
0: have. They'd be like, add
1: the laundry too. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was um, the, the guiding light, which I've never watched. The guiding light, but um, that was on the radio in the nineteen thirties, and but the company that promoted it and their sponsor was Procter and Gamble, and Procter and Gamble makes laundry soap and and all kinds of household products. But, so it was. You know, tune in next week to The Guiding Light, brought to you by Procter & Gamble. And some of the soap operas, I don't know, uh, many of the soap operas throughout the 70s and 80s and 90s that I used to watch were brought to you by a Procter & Gamble product. Fun fact, mm-hmm. I worked at Procter & Gamble. Did you?
0: Uh, or for a company owned by Procter & Gamble. Mm. Um, in Auburn, where I grew up, Auburn, Maine, mm-hmm. um, called it's Tam Brands. And okay. they were the tampon factory. Oh, yes. Okay. And <laughs> every year, my dad would get, like, a big old corporate box from... Like
1: tampons? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yay! <laughs> What's heavy flow mean? You get a tampon. You <laughs> get a tampon.
0: <laughs> oh, my God, girl. Wide set, heavy flow. Me too. Here you go. <laughs> um, wow. I built these myself. <laughs> um... But, no, I, I didn't realize how big of a company Procter & Gamble was. We'd mm-hmm. get, like, all kinds of, like, I remember my dad came home with, like, six or seven giant jugs of Tide. Mm-hmm. He goes, hey, we've got laundry soap for the next, like, year.
1: That's awesome.
0: I was like, can I take one of these to college with me? He's like, hell yeah, you need to get rid of this stuff. Nice. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I, I worked there, and my dad still works there. He's He's been there, God, twenty five. Wow, years maybe. Like he's, he's been there a long time. Wow, everyone knows. I I my friends that work there still are even like, is your dad Jack? He is so awesome. I was like, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Sorry to interrupt. I was like Procter and Gamble. I got a story. No. But go ahead. Okay, no,
1: no, no worries. <laughs> um, this is a this is a safe space.
0: This is a safe
1: space. Um, but so originally all the the soap operas were just the whole genre was invented to get women to listen to the radio so that advertisers could sell them soap. And, um, but by... I really can't speak on soaps until the mid-70s. But I had a... Um, I was obsessed with just about every soap opera at one point or another. And, um... They always provided a... a pretty good amount of, of escapism um, the storytelling is always well not always good but l- most of the storytelling is pretty good And um, but they some of your more over the top I'm going to say attitude era style stuff equivalencies that I would give to you know the WWE attitude era and the super over the top shit that they were doing every week to like On general hospital when Luke and Laura are on the run from the mob and then they have to and it takes them all summer to try to find some gold hidden inside of a statue and um, then the next summer the the Cassidines are plotting to destroy the world by freezing it and they have this um, they're they're making um, artificially screwing with the weather because of this diamond called the Ice Princess, and they have to go to, like, Cassadine Island and break into their stronghold and get into their 1981 room-sized computer to try and stop that from freezing the world, and, um... Wow. There's just been... There's been so many different, over-the-top... Um... There was... Another one I used to watch was One Life to Live, um... The main heroine on that show was uh, Vicki Lord, Riley, Buchanan, Buchanan, Riley, some I don't know she had about twenty seven last names, but Vicki Lord was her ma- was her main maiden name. So not only does Vicki Lord have dissociative identity disorder, which used to be called multiple personalities. So she has like eight altars. This is one actress playing like literally playing nine people over the course of 40 some odd years um but on that show vicky died and went to heaven but just kidding she came back from the light after her surgery they found an underground city where people had been living for 40 years that no one in town knew about at all um then there was vicky's husband fell off a horse on his ranch and hit his head and somehow transported back to a hundred years prior and was like dating his wife's grandmother (laughs) and... he trying to create a time paradox? I don't know. (laughs) He's his
0: wife's dad.
1: Which, by the way, also added a tenth character for this lady to play because now she's... (laughs) Um... Those were a little bit more outlandish. On, uh... General Hospital, they had a young girl, Robin, who was, the character's about my age. Um, she befriended an alien who came down from some other planet for a minute and I feel like that was one of those like, there was a big pile of coke on the table when that was mm-hmm. pitched. Yeah. Um, other soap operas were a little bit more realistic and ground, you know, at least ground, sort of tried to be grounded in reality. Like, not everything was, you know, like, dynasty level whatever, but there it's it's the storytelling i think and and compelling characters um you know your character is you started out good and, and and but didn't remain that way correct
0: right i i came back i was a bad guy when i came back until the bad guys were treating me like their their weapon of handing out those ass beatings, but like yelling at me and stuff when oh. I was messing up, like I was the big lug, and then I broke away from them, uh, won my first championship, had a feud with a who, someone, no, he was a good guy at the time, but after I won, he was congratulating me and then uh, hit me and took my belt from me. Oh, And he became the bad guy, and I became the good guy. Johnny Primer mm-hmm. is his name. Um, he helped make me a better wrestler, for one. But, like, the the story was, like, I... People had known me throughout the years as one of, like, the rookies.
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: Um, I hadn't really won any matches. I was always that big guy who cost himself to lose. And he... He really pushed me to get better, and then, like, I just... I won that belt. Then I went on, beat this guy, beat this guy, beat this guy. Took Eric's belt. Beat this guy. Took the the big belt. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I was the I was the man at that point. Like, and people and people were really hot, like hot for me. Like they chant my name all the time. I can see why. Yeah. Like <laughs> that was a weak one. <laughs> um. And when I when I turned on uh. Matt Mahoney at the time that was my best friend on the show and like we established that right. we took time to tell all of this tale mm-hmm. so when I turned my back on everybody all of a sudden it was like betrayal to these people mm-hmm. not everyone we had villains row who cheered for the bad guys <laughs> right. but everyone else went from Ricker, Ricker to Ricker sucks <laughs> Rick, and, and it, like that and, wow. and, it's because, and that's what I get back circle back to that lady like that's emotional investment in the story. Like you saw you remember when I how angry I was at uh, All Stars Three. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert for any drag race fans. Uh when Trixie won over Yes, you were very over Sandela. You
1: were very salty about that, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was because to me I'm like I've watched Shangela was on the first his first season went out first no season two went out first was on season three still didn't win Mm -hmm. in that time from season three to all-stars three became an established like uh she was managing other girls careers Mm -hmm. she was doing this doing that she made she became somebody off that show's momentum so when she came back and she was near flawless the entire time to be eliminated because you're the best made me mad like that right. format did not work for me
1: and that was the jury of your the yeah. jury of your peers thing yes
0: uh, but i also after, over time i'm like i do like trixie
1: mattel oh i love trixie
0: yeah i do I, I was like i really just thought shangela should you know right that was emotionally invested in that season so like when i when i turn my back on these people they're like we we loved you right and how could you do this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And some people took it personally. Other people... The, the fans I love are the ones that... there's. We have one fan, his name's Dennis. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give Dennis a shout-out because he damn well deserve it. Uh, Dennis comes to these shows, and he'll get right up in the bad, the bad guy's face. He'll talk all that mess, but then he'll be the one to come up to you afterwards and be like, Hey, good show. Good show, That's buddy. Awesome. We'll see you next time. Like, he distincts between what we're doing and like even me i can go to it i go to a wwe live show i know i'm watching a really carefully orchestrated production mm-hmm. but it's still it's still awesome you can't go into something like wrestling or so it's like watching a movie mm-hmm. uh no ultron did not invade avengers tower and oh no thanos didn't you know he really snapped the glove in half the world no that's fa- you know that's a story and that's what wrestling is where it's a sports entertainment it's an athletically driven
1: mm-hmm. drama now <laughs> when the, that whole suspension of disbelief thing and getting really involved and during the live match that that i attended i don't know if you planned it that way but i did become a part of the show what was it eric who threw his fucking coat at me mm-hmm. yeah and i mean i just in, in the moment i'm like i might get up and whip that ass but then i'm and then i just thought about it for a second like no because I'm sure this is going to be part. Of, this is like part of the match. You just attack. You know, he just attacked me, and every like literally everyone in the room knew that mm-hmm. I was I'm your partner, and also I'm the one wearing the aftershock Adam Ricker T-shirt, and um, and that was pretty cool to be to be part of that. But and I think I think Eric even came up to me afterwards. I like, got ah, you know it was like I was just part of the show, man. I'm like no no it's it's fine. I was fucking angry at first, but. You know, you really do get involved. Mm-hmm. Eric's, Eric is really good in that sense. I think he
0: he could read you and know that.
1: hmm
0: You would understand. You know what I mean? You would understand that. Like, I've, I've rarely ever seen Eric, like, on a misstep.
1: But there was a risk involved there. Because yeah. Because only being, only for the fact that that night, an hour prior was the very first time I met him in person. So like, yeah, <laughs> there's a risk of like throwing your sweaty jacket at me.
0: I think he just, I think he just trusted based on my like yeah. how how I've described you to him.
1: Mm-hmm. And it was um, great. It yeah. I was probably and and I've been to I know you've not been to music concerts or anything, but like I've been to live theater events. I've been to live concerts, and I have to say, and I'm sure a piece of it is because you were performing. But I had the most genuinely immersive, fantastic time at that show because of everything that you guys do in the in the name of entertainment. But really, you're, you're doing it for the fans. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just... It was a, a singularly amazing experience. And of course, I can't wait until um, the new promotion starts in 2021. But um, I'm just really... It was it was it was probably better than any any live event I've ever attended, and like you don't have that you don't have that level of intimacy with soap operas. Um, you are kind of just left to your own devices of of watching these characters, and um, but still you you're still getting if you really get into it you are still getting um, to be you're you're still getting just as involved um, on an emotional level um, and you know when you if you ever have the opportunity to meet someone who's on a soap opera that you either like or don't like that's of course going to color the way that you when you meet them um, about mm, 25 years ago I used to work at a women's clothing catalog and um, one of the actresses on, Days of Our Lives, which I was watching at the time, the, but one of the actresses on Days of Our Lives called out to order a bathing suit, and I completely geeked out when I got off the phone with her because like, oh my god, I just sold so and so a bathing suit, and like I was more excited about that than the time that I sold Cheryl Crow an entire room of living room furniture.
0: Oh my! I remember you telling me about that.
1: Yeah, and um, there was somebody, you know, and in. An, it's a very well-known clothing catalog. Um, like at the time, Rosie O'Donnell, when she had her daytime talk show, mm-hmm. had mentioned because she. I guess I, I, wouldn't, I. I'm sorry. I'm not a big fan of Rosie O'Donnell as a as a talk show host. But when she was, um, she used to come out and be like, "Oh, you know, what do you think of my outfit?" or something like that. Or she she would feature something she was wearing, and one day she happened to feature. Look, I got these clogs from J. Jill, and blah 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 we got 20,000 phone calls that day for those shoes but I was less geeked about that than the time that Carrie Clark called up and ordered a bathing suit from me
0: yes
1: uh Christy Clark I'm sorry she played Carrie on, <laughs> on Days of Our Lives she I think she still does from time to time but ah uh,
0: uh, Carrie I remember Carrie Days of Our Lives is like the one I watched like with my mom and too. I
1: love Carrie Carrie was one of my favorites she was like she was always a good character um, and, um...
0: Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking of Sammy. Sorry, never mind.
1: Oh, Sammy's... Yeah, Sammy's a bitch. Yeah, I was gonna say,
0: always in the, and I'm like, wait, that can't yeah. be who I'm thinking of. It's
1: Sammy's older sister. Yeah. Um, but also on, uh... Well, see, so there again, okay. So then you have your, your character archetypes. Carrie is, like, always the good girl. Blah, 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 blah. Sammy is a horrible bitch all the time. But then you have their cousin, um who's played by melissa reeves and her i'm blanking on her name blonde horton jennifer so jennifer is um has been on the show off and on since 1985 and she started out as that little good girl archetype but she also had villain villain times and good times and villain times and that specific character on that specific show is one of those that if you are completely invested, oh, I love her now, I hate her now, I love her now, I hate her now, but the, at the same time, you, I'm able to step back for most most of these shows. I'm able to step back and be like, you know what? Melissa Reeves is doing an incredible job acting. If you can manipulate my, my feelings towards you like that, mm-hmm. you are clearly doing your job. Um, <clears throat> but then there's other other soap opera actors for myself personally that have just transcended anything negative I could you know see a YouTube of them like literally like peeing on a homeless person and I wouldn't care like nope that's that person that's and one of those people is absolutely Jeannie Francis who played the legendary Laura on General Hospital Luke and Laura. Luke and Laura and because G.D. Francis was so, and still is to this day. She's she has played off and on the character of Laura since 1976, and uh, when she was 14 years old. And um, Laura's had good times and bad times, but she was on the show from 76 to 82. Then she left, did a nighttime soap opera that unfortunately didn't do very well, but the it was very good. I used to watch it. It was called Bare Essence. And um, But then a few years later, she went to um, Days of Our Lives and was playing a character, Diana Colville. And her character was not really very well accepted on the show. And I feel like it was because she's not Laura. And But... I remember watching the uh, Lifetime Intimate Portrait of Jeannie Francis, and she was kind of doing her best to play characters that were not a carbon copy of Laura Weber, Spencer, Baldwin, everybody for that reason. Then um, she was on that show for a couple of years, and then she went to back to... ABC brought her back, but did not bring her back to General Hospital. And the reason they didn't bring her back to General Hospital is because her main scene partner... Tony Geary who played Luke was not was was on the show but playing somebody different so they brought her on to um, All My Children and she played Sierra Connor and she was on Loving for a, a crossover or whatever but again another character that really didn't hit all that well because hmm. it wasn't Laura you
0: but ain't Laura <laughs> so
1: in 1993 to huge publicity they were able to bring back Tony Geary Tony Geary was already on the show, but like I said, he was playing a different character. He's playing Luke's cousin, and that was the whole thing with the Eckerts was just dumb. But they brought them back together in the fall of 93, and Luke and Laura were back. Like they had a lot of this they they brought back a lot of the the classic characters of the, the actors, some of the writers, and they kinda had another renaissance in the nineties. Um, and still the, the uh anthony Geary has since retired and he lives in 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 amsterdam but Jeannie francis was still on the show but um for the longest time her and her husband who for any sci-fi fans her husband is jonathan frakes who was on star trek one of the star trek next generation i think yes yeah and um so, like, in sci-fi circles, he's really well-known and, and, and all that. Um, like, I, I kind of know who he is just because he's Laura's husband. But they lived in Maine for a long time, and she had a uh, she not only lived in Maine, but she had a boutique store in Belfast, and I always wanted to make it up there, but I was unfortunately never able to. Um, but, you know, she just she's one of those... That specific actress, you know, to me, she's the most beautiful woman ever created ever ever has been ever will be and she can do no wrong and that's just the way that that my mind happens to work on that specific actress but yeah there's a there's a lot of um i think it's just the the storytelling and and stuff that there's there are a lot of parallels Mm -hmm.
0: like because even like you were saying like these i don't want to say ridiculous plots um because I'm sure, like, after being on so many years, you have to take it somewhere. When they're, like, going out and searching for gold and statues so dude can get back from a 100 years in the past, or whatever. You know, I mean, I know that's not what happened, but, you know, when the stories really become overcomplicated like that. I've, I even mean, that's happened in wrestling before. Sure. Um. And it's just, like, it's just it's something different, I think. Because um, I, I traditionally picture shows... Like, just what's happening around town? Who pushed who down the stairs? I didn't realize, like, a lot of these talk shows got into deeper, deeper plots. Like, hey, we're out in the jungle searching for some treasure. I'm like, whoa.
1: Um, you know, you were talking about, yes, the soap operas, because, I think it's because of the form of storytelling. You know, they have an hour every day, five days a week, to tell some of these stories. But um, some of the more, um, we'll say, batshit crazy stories that have come along on um you know not all i have a little list here that i compiled not all of them are from shows that i watched but these were broadcast on united states daytime television at one time or another we have a character who was killed by a 10 foot letter c that fell down from a sign and crushed him to death um we have a character who poses as a nun in an abbey to escape a crazed killer We have a character who gives birth to twins, but only remembers giving birth to one child. Twenty years later, it's revealed that one of her alternate personalities suppressed the memories of that second child. We have the character possessed by Satan. Um, That was very infamous. That was Days of Our Lives. Marlena was possessed by Satan. Marlena, yeah. Character fakes blindness and paralysis to keep a boyfriend. Separate times, different men, but the same woman. <laughs> that was uh, Bobby Spencer on um, on General Hospital, and character is in a band on the soap opera. Actually, releases a single which goes to number one on the Billboard Pop chart. That was uh, Jack Wagner. He played Frisco on um, General Hospital, and the single from 1985, 84, or 85 was called "All I Need," and it was on the. Uh, on the pop chart. I might have to throw a link to the video on there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's just some of the weirdest stuff that they've had. And I realize it's probably, you know, difficult to damn near impossible for you guys as as wrestlers to try to tell stories like that. But, you know, you gave the great... WWE level stuff is probably, you know, where, where your real production value is. But having Stone Cold come in and fill Vince's car with cement And you know stuff like that That was pretty huge mm-hmm. and pretty cool
0: When Vince uh, Just before Chris Benoit Passed away or killed himself And his family however, you, Whatever your philosophical bend mm-hmm. um, Vince started A storyline where his limo got blown up
1: mm.
0: And he was Supposedly killed Oh And then, like, a few weeks later, he just was on TV, like, yeah, that story's inappropriate. We got some really heavy shit going on right now. (laughs) So they just kind of scrapped it, but, like, they were heading in that direction, like, who killed Vince, and then Vince was going to come back, and it was going to be this big thing, but...
1: So, I think I already know the answer to this, but um, for you, which do you, and and I, I know this answer from billions of soap opera magazines and interviews that I've read over the years, but... What's more fun to you? Is it more fun for you to be the heel or to be the face, good or evil? What's more fun for you?
0: I, you know what? I personally like being the heel. Like it's it's fun to be dastardly sometimes, mm-hmm. but I also love being on that end that end of it when the good guy finally gets what you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They always say the good guy wins in the end, right? Um. When I, you know, or when I get mine, you know what I mean? I try Mm -hmm. to cheat and it fails for me. Those moments give me goose. Like, there was a time in Fairfield, uh, Primer was wrestling. Primer was wrestling my tag partner, Limits. Mm -hmm. And Limits was on the outside, and Primer was all by himself in the ring with no referee. So I snuck in behind him, like, I'm going to put him down for Limits. And I picked him up for my Seismic Slam... And he slipped out of it and gave me the Randy Orton move there, the RKO, mm-hmm. real fast, and the crowd like lost their shit. Like I think there was one kid in the back who like took his shirt off and spun it around his head. Like <laughs> I swear to God, I've never. For, it wasn't even like the biggest crowd we've had, but it sounded like it.
1: That's awesome.
0: So in those moments, it's like ah, and then I could hear people talking shit. Ah, Ricker, yeah, that's what you get, Ricker. And I'm laying there like unconscious, but in my head, I'm like, that's right. I did my job.
1: <laughs> well, I figured that that was going to be your answer, and I have to say that that is the answer that is more prevalent among actors on on soaps as well. They like they enjoy playing the villain, and a lot of them say it's because that's so far removed from their actual personality that they get to they get the opportunity to act more. Um, now, slightly off topic, but not really yesterday when we were at lunch um we were out with some some friends and we had such a fantastic time and um but when we were talking uh one of my friends just recently um got involved in community theater and i had said you know that was something that i always wanted to do in school but i just didn't have the i i was afraid of I wasn't afraid of doing badly. I was afraid of the blowback of, you know, I was already unpopular and, you know, I just didn't want any more bullying than than I had. And I thought you had said something about that, that, you know, acting was something that you were interested in too at some point. Mm -hmm. But I kind of feel like, do you feel that getting into wrestling and playing this character for so many years, do you feel like that is to some degree satiated that desire? Because it's it's entertainment. It is, but I'd love
0: to be like, in a movie or like do a play um because like what it is you know i i always can remember what to go out there and say Mm -hmm. and do it's sometimes the thing of wrestling is like remembering like what what to do in there Mm -hmm. and um i i don't know i just i like playing a character and doing something different and I don't think I don't think what I've done in wrestling has given me a real, um, enough of a quench of the thirst, so to speak. Like, uh, we call it, we call it the itch in wrestling. Like you quit, you stop wrestling, you get that itch, you want to get back in the ring, kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's it's given me like almost an itch that rest that wrestling's not just going to scratch so. If I ever have the opportunity to like do a play and see where it goes, I might give it a chance if I'm if I can make it fit my schedule. Yeah.
1: Well, I can say as an outside observer that you know maybe if that have, maybe if it, wrestling has not necessarily scratched that specific itch to to the point that you want it to. I can say as an outside observer that wrestling has brought you a a level of fame. Um, you know where where you are. And that is really amazing to me. And I think it's it's pretty awesome, you know. I mean um, I will say that when we first got together, I mean anybody that works with me can probably attest to the fact that I was just running around telling every single person in the world, oh yeah, my boyfriend is a wrestler and how, how proud I was of that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just because you were a wrestler, because like that's that's a extremely interesting and like not normal fact you know what I mean like that's not every day oh yeah you know we have 17 wrestlers in my family no we really don't like that's not something that's it's not common the house of Ricker. yeah so it's very it was it was you know um it was very interesting and yeah I think uh I I want to see you back in the ring when whatever whatever capacity that takes form in next year. Well, save
0: the date January 9th, 2021. Yes. But more
1: to come on that. Mhm. Um, yeah. So, well, definitely going to be looking forward to that. Is there any other little any final comments that you want to say before we start to wrap things up?
0: I thought it was very interesting the parallels between mm. soap operas and wrestling. Obviously, there it's apples and oranges at the end of the day. Right. I mean, they're both a fruit but very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. um I'm always going to have that love for wrestling like even like even though I don't really actively watch it as much right now and that that may change. Mm-hmm. Um when I do come across it I stop like if I if I'm scrolling and I see um limitless wrestling from up in Maine, uh up in Maine. They have been filming studio style matches. Um, as an ant kinda of similar to what WWE's doing, no right. crowd. Like um and they're very good. Like these matches are very, very good. And it looks very fun. I got to visit the Limitless Dojo the other day and it made me want to put my tights back on and wrestle. So I'm like thinking about it uh heavily and
1: I, I absolutely support seeing you in tights at any time. Well, of course you do. <laughs>
0: these glutes are fantastic.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah,
0: no, it's it's pretty cool, like, you have the same level of enthusiasm for soap operas as I have for wrestling, Right. So.
1: And there again, I'm not really currently watching any soap operas either, but um, I will, you know how my personality works, I'm more into vintage stuff anyway, so like, I was getting into watching the, uh, the WWE um, streaming service where they have all the classic stuff, and I very recently just started watching on YouTube, because someone was nice enough to post it all. Um, I just started watching the soap opera Santa Barbara, which was on the air from 1984 to 1993. And I started watching that from the very beginning. And I'm really enjoying that. So, um, you know, I'm not watching anything currently running. I'm just sort of like still revisiting the past. and That's the way that it is. But um, thank you very much for tuning in this week. Uh, Yeah. We, and I hope everybody has a good week. Next week, we're going to be discussing Guilty Pleasures. Ooh. Yes. So, um, yeah, tune in for that, and please... Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. I love that when I do that. Um, well, have a great week, everybody. Yeah, and, um, enjoy your week. Please don't forget to visit our website, twokingspodcast.com. There's always some pretty cool, um extra little fun easter eggs and bonus features and stuff for you like and subscribe tell all your
0: friends yeah share like subscribe and get notified be here every saturday wake up at 6 a.m mm-hmm. and listen to
1: it when it comes out yes but if you don't want to do that you can listen to it later as well right, <laughs> right but if you are listening on saturday at six in the morning you just know that i am i am um furiously and obsessively checking our uh, checking our distribution site to see how many people are <laughs> mm-hmm. are, are listening and when it comes out. So. He does.
0: I get them screenshots. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> all
1: right. We'll have a great week, everybody, uh, and and we'll we'll see you next week. Adios. Bye. Bye.